another bottle of red Molière. Sacre bleu. Hmm. Very nice. So you can join me with a glass of red, white, or rosé from the Chateau Montagne. Very, very nice red, a cheeky red, a dirty rosé, and a flirty white. Very cheap, but very nice. Just contact Molière and the Fat Lad to place your order and we will wing it as soon as possible. Muchas gracias. Au revoir. Chapter 6 Are you ready? Are you having a word? Everything is about the listener. There is not hope. We'll do that bit again. So, uh, yeah, welcome everyone to um, the um, sixth and final episode of season one, Moliere and the Fat Lad. Fat Lad, how are you doing? Hello. Yeah, you well? Fine. Great. Good, good, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't do that too much. Uh, right, so yeah, this is a special episode because um, the idea is that we're going to choose our top six bits from the season and um, and try and whittle it down to a combined best six uh, bits. Uh, anything you want to um, you want to say? Uh, any anything you want to say, fat lad? At this point, it's the end of the summer. All good things must pass. Fin de siècle. The end is in the beginning. Bye. Are you blocking me, Pink? I'm not sure about that fat lad. Uh, I do have an apology to make, actually, and that is for um, the, the two people I put in the oubliette last week. Um, I don't know if you remember, I had some naughty neighbours making a bit of noise. And... Um, Evil. Well, not really, um, especially as they have um, bribed their way out of the oubliette, actually, because I came back from my um, trip of your part of the world uh, and I found a box of, a presentation box of wines outside my door and they wrote on it apologising for the noise, which was really quite sweet. So, um, yeah, but they're not in the oubliette anymore, actually, they're already out. So have you had your have you had your poison tester? 
have a go at this at this suspicious gift. Well, I haven't seen Pilar for a little while, actually. Well, you know, I feel a bit bad now for sort of outing yeah, yeah. their incivility um, to the yeah. world, because obviously the world is listening. Um, and yet, you know, I've got this lovely presentation box of wines. Well, the other lesson you could learn is that every time you shout at someone from your rock, you're going to get a gift. I think a bottle of wine ago, you did explain that we were going to do our, our favourite bits from the season. The season being summer, this glorious summer, this, uh, this this most wonderful of all summers that we've all had, where 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 Moliere and the fat lad have sort of been the only bright spark for humanity, the only thing that's seen people through. And I think it's a pretty pretty cool idea to actually try the impossible and and select the best of the best for people's delectation and pleasure and therapy well also what it might be yeah but what it, what it it could also be a good way for to introduce people to the pod in the future say well don't bother listening to any of the episodes just listen to episode six of season one so yeah sorry for for all the listeners that have come come all the way through so far you could have just started um today but okay yeah. so i'll give you um I'm going to go for the wine drinking, which I think has been an absolute highlight of the pod for me and for everyone else. And I'm talking about your wine drinking, your your sort of your sort of unashamed advocacy of copious drinking, constant refills, constant dropped bottles, saucy wine adverts, frequent pauses to go to the kitchen for more wine. We've loved it. We want more as well. You make us feel thirsty and drunk. It was brilliant. Yeah, but also it's a, it is a reflection of reality because not once did you say, "Ooh, I've got to go to the kitchen to get an apple," did you? You know, so you might not like the image that you presented to people, but we liked it. And mm. the the old soak, the old soak is fair enough, and I think it was, as I say, a highlight. Another bottle, Moliere. There is not hope. Hey, Moliere, <laughs> what did you do to your eyes, boy? Have you had enough? All right, well, I'll put a very big question mark next to that suggestion. I don't think that's going to be able to usurp any of my choices very easily. I think um, we'll move on to the next section (laughs) (laughs) before that goes any further. Um, Right. And which takes us to takes us on to the, the, the most popular section. All right. So my first one is um, the cash, the cash debate. Oh, yeah. The sort of rampant sort of uh, landowning greed thing where you were promoting cash at all costs to the to the to our nations. Yeah, that was good. Well, I thought, you know, one of the reasons why I liked it was because it was quite clear that I won. I won the argument. Well, I'll put a tick next to that one then. Right. What 
what's uh, what's your second one that I'm gonna have to like you know shoot down in flames? Well, I was a big fan of the uh, of the in-flight audio from your trip to uh, to the New World. I, th- I think there was a reasonable question as to how you could uh, could even secure such a mode of transport from the depths of the 17th century. But I was touched. I was really touched and and a little bit troubled actually by the bird song in the in the cockpit, and also, but you know, but the what was it? The aurora borealis was a transcendent moment in the history of this pod. It was transporting. It was awe-inspiring. The other thing, though, I have to add, the other thing is, despite the wonder of that flight, despite the miracles at play, even then and even there, there was always another drink, wasn't there? Well, I seem, I, yeah, I think I remember the the, the clip you're talking about, um, but um, I might have been offered something to drink, but we didn't hear the answer, did we? We managed to edit the answer or out which was probably oh uh neither thank you i'll just have a glass of water please i'm sure i'm sure you went to the aeroplane kitchen to get a bottle of wine (laughs) sure i remember that bit Mm. there are very rare aurora borealis here well illuminati would you like beer or wine I'm going into the kitchen to get the bottle of wine. Zut alors. Well, you know, I I thought that the flight was actually quite nice. And um but you know, if it's just going to reinforce the the drinking, you know, I'll put a little question mark next to the flight. So that's that's a definite then. Oh no, we're not we're not going to say, are we? Sorry. This is like you winning an argument, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> well, that's through. I've won that argument. That's through. Big big tick there. Yeah, I like it. I like the. Uh, I like it. You know, I I am of course just a lowly peasant, so I know I should uh, I should should respect your decision. Sorry. Well, you're right. Anyway. You're right. Anyway, can I can I can I have a crust of bread, please? Now. I'm not sure about that fat lead. Well, could you not give us your third one then? Just you know, get your priorities. Yeah, I, I liked uh, I liked the crawling peasants. I liked the manner in which in which you insisted that your peasants should crawl around your estates face down. And and also the 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 way in which should their eyes alight upon your magnificence, your magnificent countenance, even that that would be gross impertinence, insubordination. So you've got semi-naked peasants prostrate on your estates, and added to that, added to that, and most interesting was your was your rather troubling use of a pocket telescope to examine these slowly crawling naked forms on your green lawns it was it was intriguing let's let's use that word see that is the exact reason why i'm not keen on this section getting into the top six 
because you just exaggerate you just exaggerate everything what did i, I don't, exaggerate well i don't use the telescope for like spying on my staff do i we have a trust. So everything else was complete. Okay, I do take that back. I realise everything else was completely accurate, but there was just, just that one, just that one exaggeration. Well, so, it's yeah. like whack playing whack a mole with you. With your naked peasants. <laughs> playing with you about the naked peasants. <laughs> Deary me. If their head rises, if their head rises like two centimetres above the lawn, you whack it. <laughs> no, I meant like you trying to fight back your insistence on ridiculous things going on on my estates. If you whack a naked tenant farmer, you only get one point. But if it's a baker, it's ten points. Great. I mean, sickening, sickening sports. And all the more reason why this should enter the final six. No, well, I think we have a reason why not. I would get. I'll be up before. The tribunal or something, another court case. Well, I remember in that section that I was advocating that they should be allowed to be on their backs so that at least they could see something. And you were absolutely insisting that this would be wrong. This would be above their station or something. No, because you wanted okay. them to do, you wanted them to crawl and tug their forelock. Yes, I agree. It's got to be one or the other because it could be confusing for them to try and do more than one well, thing. Well, it's not. It's just I would well I prefer not to do anything well. As just in play musical, naked musical statues <laughs> on your estates. It just gets sicker and sicker. God. There's nothing sick in that, is there? Really, it's art, darling. You're right. You're right. There's nothing sick in anything that we've just been talking about. If you take the telescope away, it's all perfectly normal <laughs> and ethical. Yeah. The telescope was the sole problem. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, Fedlet. <laughs> so let, let's move on to to my third suggestion, and that is the um, fat lad having a word. And you were having a word about uh, um, about Molière, actually. You know, I'm going to be looking back on season one with sort of fondness you know in the good old days yeah. <laughs> before you lost your head before i lost many things yeah good okay that gets the tick then <laughs> on to your fourth um feeble attempt to choose a, a, a clip well i was going to go for moliere's george sand section uh which which i found a, a thoroughly agreeable bit of bit of podding uh it was interesting because because you you revealed to the to the world that you spent a night in george sand's house before before she was even conceived which is remarkable Anyway, I've, I've now read the book. I've now read the book or, or pamphlet, actually. I, I remember at the time you, you, hadn't, you, you told us that you hadn't read the ending. And now that I've read the book, I realise that the ending of the book is only a short while after the beginning. <laughs> so, um, well, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I'm glad you mentioned that section, actually, because I do have another confession. I've, this could just turn into a, 
a Molière confession. Um, I think I might have said that I stayed at the George Sand Hotel. I'd never said I stayed at her house, for starters. I might have said that I stayed at her hotel. Now, I don't think I did stay at her hotel. I'm not even sure if it is a hotel, but I certainly ate in an establishment that was either a restaurant or a hotel. Um, and um, it was a very nice meal, and it was in the George Sand Hotel or restaurant. Not sure. It was in George Sand. What are you saying? <laughs> in the George Sand establishment. I don't think so at all. I mean, I think, you know, I think uh, the fact that you could stay in someone's house, I'll ignore all that stuff you just said because it doesn't help. But the fact that you stayed in her house 150 years before she was born is evidence of your kind of second coming position your sort of deity image that you've been creating throughout the podcast, these miracles flying through the air to the new world just after it's been discovered, for example, you know, mm. I, lo- I love, I love that. And I think the literary section, I think people are going to be sad to lose it. And, and one of the joys of the literary section is what other podcasts do you have a literary section <laughs> convened by someone who hasn't read the book? Well, I I had read the book. I just hadn't read the the, the last few pages. I don't believe that. Any, I do beg your pardon. Yeah. Well, I hadn't read the book, and you hadn't read all the book, and I think that's just a beautiful <laughs> thing that we that we still devoted time to that book. Of all the books that there have ever been, we chose that one, and I think that's that's kudos for us. Well, I just you know I just hope that we've inspired people to to read um, the book, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But not to the end. <laughs> but do you not agree that she could have improved the book after the chapter about cabbages at the end? She could have improved it by doing best of the chapters, a best of the chapters chapter, where she chose like the six best bits from the previous chapters and stuck them in again. Well, I'm just assuming she, that she. Yeah, of course. I mean, I just think she obviously wrote it. Um, before listening to our pod. Good, okay, well I'll move on to to my one, my next one was um, Scotty. I called it Scotty. Yeah, I won that argument. What argument was that? Because you were suggesting in that Star Trek, you were saying that these, the, the, the crews of the various USS Enterprises were going around the universe beating people up, which, is, again, it's a bit like the George Sand section again. You were talking about something you've never watched <laughs> because the whole point of Star Trek is they're just going out on peaceful missions of exploration and you turned them into kind of megalomaniac, genocidal megalomaniacs, you know. And also, you somehow got the whole thing back onto your cash thing again as well, and it was all it was all disturbing actually. And also, you called him Captain Scott at one point. If you really have watched Star Trek, you'd know that Scotty wasn't the captain. But yeah, I agree. It was a good section. Yeah. No. I yeah. I just got my captains confused. That's all. Um, Moliere has been nodding his head in a sage fashion. <laughs> <laughs> He's so <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> okay, good. Um, on to your next one. Well, the yeah, I, the Ubli, I've got the oubliette section, but I'm specifically want to talk about how how you uh, worked your way through the oubliette section because I loved, I really, you've talked about it a bit already, but I really loved how you cast your God-fearing neighbours into jail for the mildest of, of misdemeanours and and how you trust yourself up like a popinjay and berated them from your rock at the crack of dawn. So you did all this to your neighbours. I remember there was a driver or some or some there was a driver who annoyed you. He went into the oubliette forever, probably. But meanwhile, the most monstrous monsters from history you reprieved. I just fantastic. Like for example, you you freed Vlad Dracul. I remember to roam your estates to drink the blood of your long-suffering peasants, and you only re- you only released your neighbours from the oubliette because they bribed you. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think the oubliette. I, I I liked the oubliette section. I was a bit I was a bit uh, disappointed that people didn't didn't sort of resort to the kind of pettiness that we encouraged them to. Because I thought people were going to send us lists of people from their lives who'd, who'd annoyed them, and we could actually give them a shout out and throw them into the oubliette. But it didn't. Oh, happen, but did we it? did we did we did get. I oh, did I not tell you? We did get um, a reply on that actually. Oh. And um, yeah, but maybe I didn't tell you because I didn't want to hurt your feelings. But uh, <laughs> uh, but you you were one of the people that were suggested to go in the oubliette. Actually, I don't think they're very happy with you contradicting all the time as well. Yeah, another big listen. Big I did not. I did not encourage you to release Dracula. That was your own unaided crime <laughs> but he, he's out he's out you chose to release him and he didn't deliver a, he didn't deliver a case of wine to you first did he he just there seems to be no reason whatsoever to release this this, this appalling well he just like every time i looked in he was just sat in a corner on his own looking a bit glum upside down <laughs> exactly Yes, Sir Smollier, I couldn't agree more with you, eh? Right, so my my next um, section is the, um, the hunting section. Ooh. Why? Well, because I just thought it was very helpful for the listener to um, to understand how how the hunting went down over here. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And it's always good to have a bit, you know, to beat the bracken occasionally. It's it's healthy. Yeah, and and then when you, I mean, you actually recorded some for people. I think people people's imaginations would have been totally on fire to actually hear that that bracken beating going on. And I wonder if people around the world have actually taken up this this uh, quintessentially French pastime. I suspect they have. Right, cracking on. So my last one. Uh, Oh, it is the last one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the, uh, the famous or infamous 
Bull or Petonk injury. I, I, the listener will recall that this was this was an unprovoked attack on Moliere, who was simply taking part in a bull tournament, bulls tournament. But what he did is he he made the decision to turn adversity into triumph. I'm sure you'll all recall he turned base metal into gold. He flipped the situation over completely, and by agreeing to supply injured fingers to the listeners. And that was a wonderful moment, a selfless moment, completely ruined the next week by the selfish backtracking and the refusal to send any finger to any listener, the actual scuppering of the whole merchandise thing. But most of all, and most 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 uh, worrying of all, I think, we still don't you, we still don't know who won. And I did send some. I did send something actually. I did send. Well, I didn't send a finger, but I did send some nail. I did cut my nails recently, and I thought what I should maybe send that instead. It's amazing to it's amazing to consider how your nails will now be on altars all over the world. Yeah. Well, I guess all will be revealed after. <laughs> the listeners are going to be like, why did I listen to that half an hour? Because like, what I'm listening to next is completely irrelevant. <laughs> Can we not reveal everything, please? Oh, sorry. Although there will be a goat noise the moment you make that pronouncement, of course. Maybe we just sort of start again and, and, you know, change the rules at the end and everything like that. Well, I guess all will be revealed. Well, I guess all will be revealed. I'm a bit worried about my statues now. I love the way that you couldn't believe that I would give Crawling Peasants five. No, you mean two, don't you? You mean five? Yeah, no but five is not good. But actually, in this system, you're doing five is not good. No, I'm doing five is good. Five is my second best. Oh, hold on. <laughs> I'm really confused now because I gave it five because it was my second worst. Yeah, that means so you gave it two. So two points. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, so seven, seven overall. And I like the way that you're assume, you're insisting that I therefore must have it as second worst as well. I was but, just no, bravely great... getting over my injury, and you're making this big song and dance about it. But, I know, but we're not going to just play the sanitised version of it. We're going to play the song and dance. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. When so, I look yeah. at the episodes, it's episode one I chose two bits from, yeah. and the only other episode that got two bits chosen from it was. Um, <laughs> Episode uh, episode four, I think. So, so the whole exercise has been an, an exercise in gradual grave disappointment for you. You know, you started off like really happy and content, <laughs> and then it all gradually went wrong. As, yeah, a bit, uh, bit like moving into my uh, into my house. You know? Oh, this is a nice neighbourhood. Oh, this is nice. All the people are friendly. 
I'm going into the kitchen to get the bottle of wine. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, you know, this is going rather smoothly. I think, really. Um, it's not. Com I'm not comfortable. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they can take their T99. <laughs> no, don't don't be like that. Look, we just had somebody donate 299. We don't want to put other people off that might sort of be thinking about, you know, um upping it. Well, they could have a bottle of wine, but I mean, they're not going to have a personalized label for 299. I mean, they don't want to denigrate the 299. It's the most welcome, but but I think I think we could we could let this person know that they're we can give them some sort of meaningless title, couldn't we? Like executive producer or something. Well, yeah, I think we, we we certainly need one. <laughs> yeah, well, I forgot. Sorry, I, sorry, my mistake. I forgot that we said for two ninety nine you <laughs> you can rewrite history. I forgot that bit. Sorry. So I'm glad we got the admin out of the way. Yeah. Watch this space. Well, listen, listen to this space. Well, if we if we delete this episode as well, then what will this make this episode? Collector's item, another <laughs> another collector's <laughs> item. Um, let's crack on. Um, let's crack on. Um, let's crack on. Um. Moliere has been nodding his head in a sage fashion. I'm going into the kitchen to get the bottle of wine. Was that still part of the literary section? I do apologise. So, well, yeah. you know, three three glasses of wine in, you know, it's kind of difficult to get upset about stuff, really. Have you had enough? It's all about the listener. OK, that's a catchphrase to go. Maybe you could edit that bit out. That would be good of you. Um, well, do you have anything to add on any of what's been said so far? Nope. <laughs> Thanks for your contributions, Pat. Let us see where this is going. When I say stay in, I mean stay in my grounds. Right, okay. <laughs> Carry on. That's outrageous. Oh, yeah, we'll forget that in transparency close brackets business okay, I'll get back to me Molière podcast um, attitude could, um, could, could we get him on the pod no I don't want him on the pod no but oh. just to you, I know what you you what you would like is to have a chat with him at that favorite cafe of yours. Oh, oh, I'm on for it. No, try and get him on the pod. That'd be brilliant. If we're going to have a regular balcony section, well, uh, might as well have a balcony. Yeah. Well, I'll, I I think I'll just put balcony to bed. Actually, does yep. he um does he wear culottes? Does he wear culottes?
maybe that could be hey but then that could be one of the, if someone sort of donates 5.99 what do they want they want to go in the oubliette exactly because that's kind of insulting isn't it 5.99 god well no. we're going to um i'll just blame the listener blame me everyone else does about everything so no i'll blame the listener I don't know if there's any point in me saying anything, actually. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that in, but we'll follow it up with a head nod. For sure. um, Moliere has been nodding his head in a sage fashion. Alrighty, long registration. Number six. So be more Moliere. Let's let's start off highbrow and then sort of work our way slowly down. Let's start off with the uh, with the um, literary section. Did you have anything you'd like to um, to uh, contribute to? With you know more than one syllable would be quite helpful. Yep. <laughs> great okay thanks fat lads um lamar au diable oh okay um and uh yeah written by george sands and um the the uh the comment that was well a couple of things about it is one i was i really enjoyed it well i say i really enjoyed it i've been reading it for a long time and um i read I read up to about 20 pages from the end and then I stopped, which is a bit, it's a bit silly really, because I enjoyed it up to that point. And so I don't know why I stopped. So I just, I should finish it off. 
um but it was good up to that point <laughs> but the um the the thing the thing i have to confess is that uh i stayed at a hotel years and years ago uh, called the george sand um in uh, a little town called Loche, which is in the Eure et Loire, i think and um and i didn't even know that george sand was a woman when I stayed in that hotel. I don't think I did anyway. I certainly hadn't read any, any of her books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> well, maybe not, probably not actually, even in episode three. <laughs> and I was very envious of her, uh, her famous salons that she had, you know, where all the glitterati and literati of Paris would attend. And it just seemed like just such a wonderful life, you know? to constantly be exchanging ideas, I guess, rather than just putting on soap operas or something, you know? So, yeah, well, very envious of, of her media, well, I, don't, I guess. I do understand what you're saying, because, um, yeah, um, I have felt a bit like that myself. <laughs> I should try and say that without laughing. Um, during, during the podcast? Well, no, I think that actually during the podcast, you... Um, you don't have to be envious anymore because you are living the, um, the 21st century version of a George Sand salon de thé. Oh, salon this, is, this is a salon. This is a salon, and which would give us the opportunity of welcoming all our um, all our French literature fans to the pod. I think, you know. Well, you know, they're obviously not in the wrong place. They were probably wondering if they were, but they they can be, you know, reassured that they're not. And you could maybe throw in the odd French word as well, which would be nice. Yeah, I could throw in the odd French word. You could have the odd bottle of wine and it will all be very authentic, wouldn't it? Well, it's funny you should mention wine, actually. I've just got to uncork this one. Sorry. <laughs> Not sure if we should be doing that on podcast. <laughs> no, it's just getting a bit low. Look, you know, I know you think that for some amazing feat of technology and, and time travel that I'm sitting in my chateau in 1789 but um I don't have a bedpan was that still part of the literary section I do apologize number five There was something in Star Trek, wasn't it? No. Oh, there was. Well, he put on a Scottish accent. I don't know if he was. And he was called Scotty. Do you think he really was Scottish? What, like the the actor or the character? Or or do you think the character was real? (laughs) I'm trying to ascertain here. Did you, I mean, whenever you've seen bits of Star Trek, are you are you seriously of the opinion that you're watching some sort of documentary? I was always disappointed by Star Trek, to be honest. Oh really? Yeah. Right. So I just I just just you know they always ended up in places where they could walk about without oxygen, having to like have oxygen tanks and stuff, you know. Yeah, and then they had because they have got the universal translators, then every, then everyone speaks English. They never really explained how uh, 
how these translators work. And how yeah. come they always looked well for my for my memory anyway, they always seemed to look very human like and they always had this like beautiful woman that fell in love with um <laughs> whatever that bloke's name was, the lead the lead man. Scotty. It was Scotty, wasn't it? Yeah. No, it was Captain Kirk. Oh yeah. I was thinking I get the captains mixed up, I was thinking of Captain Scott. But they, you know, they never, they never said "beam me up, Scotty." It was never said in any episode of Star Trek. Oh, you're such a Trekkie! You're such a Trekkie. It's the one know. line that it's the one line that everyone knows, and it's a line that was never ever uttered. I love well, Star it, Trek because it's a kind of socialist, utopian vision. You know, there's no money. No one has any money in 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 the. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot you love money. Oh yeah, we were going to get back to that, weren't we? Look, uh, nobody had money. You don't need money when you're an invader. <laughs> so you and your communism, man, you were like, it sounds like you're an imperialist. I used to like Star Trek. They used to go around the universe and act like they owned the place. No, they were just thirsty for knowledge. I think yeah. Captain's, Captain Scott, or whatever his name was, was thirsty for something else, to be honest. Sorry, you are talking rubbish, fat lad. Number four. I work for Moliere and I like it. What the f I work for Moliere and I like it. I work for Moliere and I like it very much. I work for Moliere and I like it. I work for Molière and I like it. I work for Molière and I like it. <laughs> I work for Molière and I like it. Mm. I work for Molière and I like it. 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 I work for Molière and I like it very much. I work for Molière and I like it. I work for Molière and I like it. I work for Molière and I like it. <laughs> I work for Molière and I like it. Mm. I work for Molière and I like it. I work for Molière and I like it. I work for Molière and I love it. I've been a lot of people have been um, approaching me this week, or at least it, I mean I think they have. Anyway, but this might just be five months of living in a room finally warping me. But anyway, a lot of people appear to have been approaching me, asking about the um, the framed the framed fingers and, wh and when you're going to start mailing them out. And I was wondering, actually, how many fingers do you actually need, would you say? Well, at least two. Two. Well, how would you be? Uh, yeah, you need at least two. How would you click your fingers otherwise? Right. Yeah, and presumably, no, you've got someone to. I mean, you dictate. You dictate your masterpieces, don't you? So that won't be a problem. And you need two to actually play petanque. You need to hold your glass of wine. Two. Two's enough, isn't it? Well, on each hand. Two on each hand. That's a bit excessive. A bit decadent, isn't it? Two and two and a thumb. I reckon you could probably oh, get away. Oh with... no. So now we're talking five fingers. I think that's greedy. 
Because people no, are six, six, a thumb's fingers. So you're talking six. So we've gone from two to four to five to six. So well, I don't know. I mean, are you including thumbs in your fingers? You're all thing, fingers and thumbs here, aren't you? I think thumbs would be a bit cheaper, wouldn't they? I don't think people really want a thumb because they clearly heard that the that the digit that was attacked by that peasant was allegedly was uh, was near the index finger. Well, I guess the, the thumb is near the index finger, but I think you would have said thumb if that's what you meant. Oh dear, it, no, it's not. It's not the index. I got that wrong. It's the one next to the little finger. Definitely not a thumb then in that case. So oh yeah, so so the point stands that if we, if you mail out a thumb to someone, I don't think we can charge a hundred quid for a thumb because they know that's just like that's a poor excuse for a finger. Are you kidding me? A thumb is far more is far more relevant. Well, it was know. nowhere near the finger that was that was targeted in the. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Oh, I, I, I see. So it's not on on usefulness to the owner. It's on blatant oh. lie. You know, here's a, oh. here's the here's a th- here's the thumb from that story where it clearly wasn't a thumb. Oh, I'll keep my thumbs in. That's good. I quite I'm quite partial to my thumbs actually. They're quite handy. Oh, I knew this is where we're going. You're just like greedily, greedily and and selfishly keeping all your fingers, despite the fact that you know they're in high demand from the listener we're all about the listener but not when it comes to merchandise it seems well i you know i, I do you know have a problem with that catchphrase now actually i'm not sure mm. if it is about the listener anymore mm. i think we'll just get a new catchphrase it's not about the listener just put a not in there or something because mm. you know um yeah i think I think it's really important to give the listener the finger. I couldn't agree more, Fat Lador. <laughs> I'm not sure about that Fat Lad. In 89? Fat Lad, it's not 17... <laughs> Fat Lad, it's not 1789. You know? You know? <laughs> Number three. What would you like me to say? <laughs> say it again. Uh, there are very rare Aurora Borealis here. <laughs> and where is here? Anywhere. Here. Okay. Anywhere. Don't say on this side on There are very rare Aurora Borealis here. <laughs> Mesdames et messieurs, nous venons d'atterrir à New York. Il est 15 heures passées de 40 minutes. La température extérieure est de 33 degrés. Would you like beer or wine? Another bottle of red, Molière? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Paris. It is 20 to 4 p.m. local time. The temperature is 33 degrees Celsius. We wish you a very nice day. Thank you. What would you like me to say? 
Number two. The beating the brat. Eto. Como se Beating the bracken. Bracken. Yeah. The beating the bracken section. French hunting is it? I mean, it's not a competitive sport, is it? I mean, it is, I guess, a sport sort of a kind. Which right? sorry, which hunting? French hunting. I mean, do they? How do they? How do they get points? Do they have points for each corpse, or do you like have more points for a goat than you'd have for a shrimp, or how does it work? When you say French hunting, what do you mean, like hunting French people? I don't know what you mean. You know, French people who go hunt because it's popular in your part of the world, isn't it? Oh yeah, they love it. They love it. In But fact, Macron. Here we go. Macron has. Um, he's. They are a big fan of Macron. I think I told you before. They're a big fan of Macron because Macron. One of his policies was to like either not uh, raise the um, the license fee or to reduce it. You know, for hunting. They're 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 big fans of Macron, which is probably quite a wily move on his part. Because if you're gonna have general, I mean, look at the yellow vest man. I mean, you got the general populace is like rising up, but at least the ones with guns are kind of like nominally on your side, you know. And do they do clay pigeon shooting or do? No, I don't think they do much of that. They just shoot the real thing, don't they? So thing of getting like poor people to to kind of beats the hedges and so on so that the birds fly up and then and then the richer people can shoot them well this is interesting this is an interesting question because i uh, my limited experience of hunting in the uk and in france is that in the uk yeah. it's the poshies right. that do the hunting and it's the 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 proletariat that go around beating the bracken Um, yeah. That's not that's not an euphemism, and um, so whereas yeah. so, I don't, oh, I've never heard it used anyway. But anyway, um, and uh, have you beaten your bracken recently, love? No, um, and whereas here it's people do it. Mm. And I'm sure there are poshies that do it, but the people yeah. around my way, they're not very posh and they do it. So, and then do one of our listeners is going to make a comment and say, well, actually, it's not just a poshy thing in the UK. But that's a perception I have. But do the poshies, in fact, beat the bracken for the, for the peasants? Is that part well, of the evolutionary thing? Like, has it all been turned on its head? You've got these bewigged poshies in your neck of the woods to go around. I know you have very romantic ideas about France, fat lads, but we're not in 1789, and um, you know the poshies have risen 
to the risen to the top again. These sun, these sun culotte hunters going around with their muskets. Yeah, yeah. Shooting, shooting the sparrows of the, 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 the fallen or decapitated even poshies are, are beating out of the, out of the bushes. It's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Thanks for that. That's wonderful. a wonderful bit of Gallic flavour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that the sports section then? I think that was. I think that was. We don't. We're running out of time. So unfortunately, you know, just to reassure our listeners, but that there will be a sports section. It will be a lot more comprehensive, or they'll be a bit longer talking about sport in future episodes. Um, 18th century headless. French toffs. Well, I do, I do lose my head occasionally, actually. Wow. Funnily, funnily enough, yeah. But it always seems to be there more or less in the morning. Number Thank you. Yes, that's right. Um, the sports section. Uh, I'll kick off with the sports section, and I would like to talk about um, an aspect of sport that is very little reported. It's underreported um, because um, with a lot of um, sports, there are inevitably injuries. Um, and it's a, it's a sad, sad truth. And I have a personal experience to um, to share with you all. 
uh, a recent injury from playing Petonk. And um, yeah, I injured, I'm not sure which finger it is. Maybe you could edit that bit out. That would be good. good of you. And um, and I, I injured my uh, index or whatever that one is. Um, yeah, playing Patonk. Did you? Did you? into yourself or did someone do it to you well yeah actually it was a self-inflicted injury um i was um trying to juggle with the petonk balls and they're, they're made of the thing is they're made of metal and i'm not a very good juggler so yeah but nobody Whatever. nobody stopped you did they nobody stopped you well no i was just I was copying other people actually, but they obviously knew how to juggle better than me. Leading you on. Yeah, easily, easily led. What social class were they? I mean, were they were they wearing culottes? They, they, uh, no, no, no. They were, they weren't wearing culottes at all. Well, what size donation would it have to be for you to send them your finger? I don't want to send anyone my finger. What are you talking about? That's just insane. No souvenir from this episode that would do except for your finger, given given its central role. In well, the I could, I could, I could send them with the the offending petonk ball, um, yeah. or ball, um, maybe with a signature on it. Maybe fat lads and Molière could sign the ball. Mind yeah, you, can you have the, the the injured finger attached to the bolt <laughs> to the ball in a kind of display case for a hundred uh, quid? Come on, for a hundred quid. Yeah. That's a lot of money in the 18th century. Yeah, you know, the problem I have with this is that I'm just worried about how, about the postage. very much fat lad see you soon bye (laughs) what are you like here we go arete don registramon could you take your finger off my bull So uh, there you go, end of season one. Well, thank you very much, uh, fat lad, for uh, everything, and uh, thank you to the uh, to the listeners for sticking with us. 
and I hope that you'll be back for season two uh, for more fun, new sections, and uh, yeah, anything uh, anything you want to say, fat lad, apart from bye. No. Nope. <laughs> right there, you go. Right, well, um, see you. Uh, see you next season. Alfida Zen. Managed to get away without feeding the cat during the whole podcast, so that's uh, that's the result. Great <laughs> stuff. Well, thank you very much, fat lads. Um, au yeah. Revoir. Au revoir. And oh, final comment. Smash the like button. Good night. I think I'm going to arrete it on Redition all right there. Shall we start this episode again then? Have you had enough?